The following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Today, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, that book of the Bible that we're unsure who the author was, except we know that it was Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4. I want to continue today with our series, For God So Loved the World That He Gave. Giving is a response to those that love. When we love, we just naturally give. And, and, you know, one of the ways that I express my love to Pam is give. Now, many of you have read the, a book, Five Love Languages, and there's different love languages that people have. Some people, it's words of affirmation. Some of it's gifts. Some of it's acts of service. Well, my wife is fluent in all five languages of the love languages. And so what I've had to learn how to do is I've had to learn how to speak the love language that responds to her. But when I give of myself and make choices to do things, it's just an expression and it's a way for her to understand how much I love her. So giving is always a response of those that love. Because God so loved, he gave. If you're ever wondering if God loves you, you just need to remind yourself that God so loved you. John 3.16 says that because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever... Whoever, it's all of us, believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we've been talking about for God so loved that he gave. Now I know that we know that God loves. If you've been in church for any period of time, but sometimes we can gloss through that, can't we? Sometimes we can just say, okay, yeah, we know that, let's move on. And sometimes we just need to take some time and reflect on just how much God loved you and I. He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. So we've been looking throughout this series at different gifts that God has given to us. How many of you got some wonderful gifts at Christmas time? Man, I did. I am, I am blessed beyond anything that I deserve. But I want to talk today about another gift that God wants to give to you and I, and it's the gift of rest. Are you ready for some rest today? Some of you have been running around like a chicken with your head cut off for the last several weeks, buying gifts, running to parties, doing all kinds of things. So we're ready to rest. Amen. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1 says this, therefore since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Now he's contrasting what happened in the previous chapter with the children of Israel who never, some of them never entered into the rest of God. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them. Isn't that sad? The word had no value to them. Here's why. Because those who heard did not combine it with faith. So now we know what we need to do with the word that we hear. We need to mix it with faith or there's no value to it. See, on Sunday mornings when I'm preaching the Word of God and I'm declaring the Word of God to us, we need to take hold of the Word of God and do something with the Word that's being spoken to our hearts. It's not enough for us just to walk out and go, man, Pastor Richie was sure funny today. Man, that guy can tell a joke. Thank you for the courtesy laughs. Man, that Pastor Richie, man, that was just a great word today. Boy, I just needed to really hear that and leave that word here and walk out. We need to do something with it. You see, the Bible says that faith comes when you hear the word of God. So every time you hear the word of God, not just think about the word of God, not just read the word of God, those are important, but faith comes when you hear the word of God. In fact, Romans 10 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, hearing the word of God produces for you the potential to receive faith. 
When you're, when you're hearing the word, it means that you can take hold and walk in faith. But we don't really see the explosive results of God's word until we mix the word that was preached with the faith that came with it. Now, I just want you to know that you're going to see results from God's goodness in your life no matter what. You can be a turkey lips, not live right all week long, and God still loves you. He still does great things in your life. But if you want to see explosive growth happen in your life, you've got to mix faith with the word that you're hearing. So we position ourselves to act upon what we've heard. Now, I'm always very cautious whenever I talk about things that we need to do because we are naturally programmed to try to perform to get God to do things for us. I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about something God has already done for you, and all you're doing is getting yourself in alignment with what he's already doing and positioning yourself to act upon the word that you're hearing. The Bible says, be ye kind one to another. I have the opportunity with my wife to either ignore that truth or get myself in alignment with that truth and be ye kind one to another, and then my home life runs a lot better. So we're just getting ourselves in alignment to position ourselves to act upon the word that we're hearing. In other words, we're mixing faith with the word that we're hearing. Verse 3, now we who have believed enter that rest. Now what we can learn from that phrase right there is that we can judge what it is that we actually believe based upon our rest. Because we can be quick to say, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I'm going to trust you with my life, with my finances, with my health, with my family, with my home, with my career, with my job. But then go out and labor to fix things like everything is depending on us. See, if you believe, you'll rest in what Christ has already done. Some of you think that worry is a spiritual gift. It's not. Because what I'm talking about when I'm talking about resting, I'm talking about chilling. Just chilling out. You're just chilling. So when we go out and labor to try to fix things, we're acting like it's all depending on us. But if you'll really believe, you'll rest in what Christ has done. Right actions won't produce right believing. If you think, well, if I could just do the right things, I'll eventually believe it, it won't. But right believing will produce right actions. When you believe right, you'll live right. See, if I were to ask those of you that have been here at Amarillo Fellowship for a while, how many of you believe that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Many of you would say, oh yes, that's absolutely me. If that's the case, then rest. Just relax. Rest in your right standing with God. Believe that God is for you, even when you fail, even when you miss the mark, because you're in right standing with him. Just rest. Because what he is saying is that if you say you believe, then you'll enter into rest that God has for you. Now, I have to confess to you today that that really challenged me. Because there were some things that I said that I believed, but I didn't really enter into the rest about that situation. So I had no choice to conclude that I really didn't believe the way that I thought that I believed because I was still laboring. I was still anxious. Okay, God, what do I need to do to make this happen? So, verse 3 again, now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, so I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about a seventh day in these words, and on the seventh day God rested from all his work. And again in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest, and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. A better way actually of translating that is because of their unbelief. 
Now notice that he is qualifying or disqualifying us in our belief based upon in the words that we're saying, rest. In other words, no rest, no belief. And then he turns right around and says that they didn't enter into that rest because of their unbelief. So I can't help but see that there's a connection between my belief and unbelief and entering into the rest of God. It's an internal attitude. I either believe in God's promises or I don't believe in God's promises. And what I believe is revealed by me entering or not entering into God's rest. If you're picking up what I'm laying down today, say amen. Amen. See, it kind of creates a gauge for us to understand how well it is that we're really believing. I say I believe, so am I resting. Do I have confidence in God or do I have more confidence in my ability to work the situation out? See, it would be a shame for you to think that you're believing because you say, I believe, I believe, I believe, and then find out from the acid test that you're not resting, therefore we must conclude that you really don't believe. Now, none of us like to be told that we don't believe, and I want you to know today, I'm not talking about being a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about believing in God's promises as a follower, because you can be a believer going to heaven and live in hell on earth by not living according to God's promises. See, so we don't believe, but if you'll believe, you'll rest. Rest in what? Rest in the goodness of God. Rest in the confidence that you have in Christ Jesus. Rest in what you believe. But you're going to have to take a look at what it is that you really believe. If you want to know what you believe, open up your mouth and listen what falls out. Struggling with sickness in your body? Do you say, oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm sick. I'm always going to be sick. My dad was sick. My mom was sick. My grandma was sick. I'm always going to be sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. I'm sick. It's what you believe. That doesn't mean that you don't have sickness attacking your body, but the moment you have sickness attacking your body, you say, God, I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. Listen, I woke up this morning feeling a little dizzy. I did. I woke up this morning. You know what I had to start declaring over my life? God, I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. God, I thank you that by your stripes I'm healed. I'm not ignoring the fact that there's dizziness attacking my body or that allergies are attacking our body. There's a lot of people out today that are sick with the flu in their body. They're sick. But what we have the opportunity is to declare what's happening or what God's word says. And when we declare what God's word says, eventually what's happening is going to line up with what God's word says. So the the issue is, is am I going to rest in it? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust my circumstances? We are followers of Jesus Christ. What that means is we're disciples of Jesus Christ. Christianity is not about Americanism. Born in America, automatically Christian. I'm talking about to people that are followers of Jesus Christ and say, God, I trust you. I give you my life. I surrender my life completely to you. So we have confidence. Rest in the goodness of God. Rest in the confidence that you have in Christ Jesus. Just rest in what you believe. You see, faith and fear are asking the same thing of us. They're asking us to believe something that we cannot see yet. You have the choice to get into fear. Oh, I don't know if it's ever going to change. Or faith, God, I thank you that you are my provision. They're asking the same thing of us to believe in something that we cannot see yet. Now, if you recognize, and I find myself not recognizing from time to, or recognizing from time, to time that I am not believing the way that I thought I should, And if you find yourself not believing the way you thought you were believing because now you recognize there's no rest in that area, whether it's dealing with your kids, your finances, your job, if you're anxious all the time about it, you're worrying, feel responsible to make things happen, then you need to go back to professing and confessing hope over your life. you got to start declaring the word of God over your life, what the word of God says that we are to believe. 
If the word of God says it, whether I feel like it or not, I believe it. In other words, if you begin to discover that what you thought you believed, you're really not believing because there's no rest, you need to go back and start building up your faith, start meditating on the word of God, start speaking the word of God over your life and over your situations, and then watch your life, watch your situations change. Spend time with God until you get to the point where you enter into that rest. Spend so much time with God to where what's happening on the inside of you is more real than what's happening around you. When we began looking at purchasing this building, many of you know the story. We'd been looking for years for a building and a location that we were believing that God had for us. And when we began looking at this building, God worked out some supernatural events. In fact, the the Sunday uh, um, in December about two years ago, before a Christmas production, I was at home and I was praying about this building saying, God, if this is for you, show me something supernatural. Well, that, later that morning, I went to church, and there was a man there, and he said, man, it's so crowded. What are we going to do about all this? I said, well, we're looking at a building right now, and, and we're believing God for about $120,000 more, and we're just praying for that. And he said, oh, okay. At the end of the service, he came up, and he and his wife handed Pam and I a check for the church for $120,000. Now, how many of you know when you're praying for God to do something supernatural, and a few hours later, you get a check for $120,000, that's supernatural? I don't know if that happens every day to you, but it doesn't happen to me. And so I knew that God was speaking to our hearts about moving into this building. So we made an offer. That was the word I was having a hard time earlier. We made an offer on this building. And the moment that began to happen, I began to think, oh my goodness, what have we done? In fact, my pastor friends would begin saying, how on earth are you guys going to be able to raise that much money in that much short of a time? Is this really going to be able to happen? Aren't you worried and aren't you freaked out? Now, honestly, when I would respond to them, most of the time I could say, no, no, I'm not. I'm good. I'm trusting in the Lord. But there were some times in the middle of the night when I woke up and it felt like an elephant sitting on my chest. Have you ever been worrying about your finances or your kids or something going on and it feels like an elephant sitting on your chest? Now, what used to happen is that I would just let that go for weeks, months, sometimes, but I be, I've begun to recognize that the enemy comes in with fear all the time, with doubt, with unbelief. And so what I began to do is stand upon the word of God. Philippians 4.19 says this, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now I have to confess to you in the middle of the night, the first several times that I said that, I don't know if I even really believe that. But the more I begin to say, my God shall supply all, all of them, even related to the church, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God, not somebody else's God, but my God shall supply all. And man, I begin to get demonstrative and I begin to declare and shout it out and get excited about it. Can I tell you, when that began to happen, suddenly that weight began to lift off of me. The responsibility of making all of this stuff happen just disappeared. And here's why it happened. It happened because I spent time meditating and saying out loud God's word so that I could hear myself saying those things out loud over my life. It's one of the reasons why I encourage you to say amen. Sometimes just you engaging in the, in the promises that you're hearing gets you vocally into it. And you begin to declare, yes, I'll receive that. By his stripes we're healed. Yes, I'll receive that. God, I thank you that your Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, will provide. Yes, God, I thank you. I receive that. I begin declaring it out, out loud over my life so that I could hear it. See, it wasn't enough for me to hear somebody else say it. Somebody else can have faith for your situation. It's, it's one thing for you to hear somebody else to say it, but when you say it, you really begin to believe it. 
See, I can tell you all day long that you're more than a conqueror, that what you're going through now, the situation, the difficulties, and the circumstances you're faced right now, that you are just going through it, that you're more than a conqueror, that God is going to bring you through this. But it's a whole different deal when you begin to say, I'm more than a conqueror. God, what I'm going through right now, I don't know how the answer is going to come. I don't know how we're going to get out of this, but I know that you do. And God, my confidence and my faith is in you today. When that happens, suddenly you move from this wavering, fearful, oh God, are you really going to do this to, okay, God, I know that you're going to come through. Something, I'm serious, becomes established inside of you. Verse 7, therefore God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Amen. I received that over us today. There's a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And it's basically talking about keeping a Sabbath. And let me say real quickly, if you don't Sabbath, if you don't take a day off, I want you to know that God loves you. He's not going to curse you. He's not going to smack you and slap you around. But you need a Sabbath rest to get refreshed. You need a Sabbath rest to get refreshed physically, to get refreshed mentally, to get refreshed emotionally. Let me tell you something. When we keep burning the candle at both ends, your life goes twice as fast. It really does. And suddenly you're going to find yourself sick and in bed and you're going to have to have to take a rest. So I want to encourage you to take a rest. Again, that was probably for just the 930 service, but if anyone need to hear that. Verse 10. For everyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Now, isn't that interesting? When you, when you think of the word rest, we typically don't think of doing what it says here, making every effort. But he's saying, let us therefore make every effort. Is he contradicting himself? No. Well, then make every effort for what? Make every effort to enter into the rest. Make every effort to enter into. Enter into what? Enter into that confidence, that belief, that rest in the power of God. So how do we make every effort? Again, it's what I said earlier. We go back to professing the word of God. We go back to confessing and speaking the word of God over our lives, reminding ourselves what God has done. Sometimes when you're going through something, you're not sure if you're going to be able to get through it, but if you'll just remember some things that God did last year, three years ago, five years ago, you'll be able to go, okay, God, you took me through it then. God, I know that you're going to take me through it now. So let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall, fall by following their example of unbelief. Verse 12, for the word of God is what? Living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Wow, what an amazing verse about the Word of God. See, it shows us the power of the Word of God operating in our lives. It penetrates into our lives. It penetrates to dividing the soul and the spirit. Now, what is your soul? It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, how many of you ever find your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions warring against your spirit? You read a passage, you, you hear the good news of Jesus Christ, and you start going in your spirit, man, yes, I'll receive that. And instantly, your mind kicks in. Now, he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's a pastor and doesn't live in the real world. He only works one day a week, and so he's got life on easy street. 
Our mind kicks in and it starts warring with, well, look at what happened. Look what's happening all the time. Or our emotions. Oh, I just don't feel like it's ever going to happen. And we say it over and over. Oh, I just don't feel it. 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 Or our will. Yeah, God, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm, I'm not submitting myself to do that. It's warring against our spirit. Sometimes it's warring against God's spirit. You see, it's hard to rest when your mind, your will, and your emotions are warring against your spirit. But that's what, why the word of God is so powerful in our lives. It is living and active. It penetrates and judges wrong thoughts, wrong choices, wrongs, wrong emotions. And it helps us get those wrong thoughts, choices, and emotions in line with the word of God so that you can rest. Again, it's what I was talking about earlier. It's not performing to be right with God. It's because we're already right with God. We live our lives in alignment and suddenly life works. You know, when you, if you ever get a revelation of how perfectly God loves you, you'll be hungry to hear the word of God because you'll want to know if you love me that much that you sent your only son to die for me, how can I live? How should I live my life? And then you go to the word of God and you say, okay, I forgive people. I don't always feel like forgiving people. Anybody here ever not feel like forgiving somebody? But I make a choice to always forgive. I'm not going to let my will, my emotions, or my mind, my intellect, well, they did me wrong. I should be able to retaliate. I'm going to live my life in alignment with the word of God. See, it doesn't matter what the situation says. We have to learn how to do what the word of God says about the matter. Amen? Listen to what God says in Isaiah about rest. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust, you could substitute the word confidence, is your strength. But he tells them, but you would have none of it. You know, there's a time to move, there's a time to pursue, there's a time to pray, and then there's a time to repent, which means to, you're going this way in your thought process, going this way now, changing your mind, or turn away from worrying and fretting, and just rest. It's in rest that you find your salvation. It's in quietness, and in your trust, and in your confidence that you find your strength. Our strength is in our confidence, our strength is in our trust, our strength is in our quietness of being still. See, there's an empowerment when you can enter into the confidence and the rest of God's word. There's a strength that's made available to God, to those who've said, I've made peace with God, I've done all I know to do, but there's still one more thing you need to do. You just need to get quiet. Say, God, I trust you with this. See, I'm not talking about going to bed when I'm talking about rest. I know some of you are thinking, okay, tomorrow I'm calling in sick because Pastor Richie preached on rest. I need some rest after the holiday. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is holding that word rest right up next to confidence. Rest is this, it's confidence, it is assurance, it's a settled issue. There are a lot of things in my mind that I'm growing in my righteousness of, but I am getting more and more settled in. That God is my provider, I'm not, I, I am settled in that. I am not looking for this church to be my provider. That this church happens to pay my salary right now, but I know that God is my provider, I'm settled in it. The fact that God is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, I'm settled in it. And I'm telling you, I had a, I've had a mom, two sisters die of cancer, my dad died of heart disease, but I'm settled in the fact that by his stripes, I am healed. Not something that's going to happen, I don't have to beg God to be healed, I am healed. I just have to get in alignment with him, believe him, trust him, and walk in it. It's a settled issue. It's that unqualified, absolute and complete confidence. It's an unwavering confidence in knowing that God is going to take care of me. He loves me perfectly today. That's a person that's never going to be shaken. 
The storms of life come, and when everyone else in the office is freaking out because of what they're talking about downsizing or what the economy is doing, you're, you're, you're very settled. You're not shaken. Everyone else in your home may be confessing all the problems and issues going on around, but you're, you're settled. You'll never be shaken. See, when somebody gets in confidence and in rest, there is strength made available. You'll be richly rewarded. That's when that exponential blessing of the Lord starts showing up in your lives. What is the thing that you're needing God to do? What is the situation that you're dealing with or that you're struggling with that you're trying to make happen? Maybe it's just time that you rest about it. Quit trying to fix the person. Quit trying to fix the situation. Have confidence that God has heard you. You've already prayed about it. And now that you've prayed about it, begin to just thank God that he's going to do what his word says that he would do. See, it's just a matter of time before he shows up doing it because you're confident. You're just waiting on God to take care of it. Now, that's hard for us as Americans because our waiting is about this long. I'll wait on you, Lord. I'll wait on you. You're not moving? Okay, I'm in. We wait on God. We trust him. Kenneth Hagin said this, if you're willing to stand forever, just talk about standing upon the promises of God, you won't have to stand long. Psalms 46 says this, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations and I will be exalted in the earth. So here's the question that we have to understand. When will God be exalted among the nations? When will he be exalted on the earth? It's when I'm still. And when I'm resting, see, when everyone else, again, around you is concerned and worried and you have this rest, you have this confidence in you, that's the greatest opportunity that you and I get to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ has done in my life. I'm trusting him. I'm believing him. And they're going to watch miracle after miracle show up in your life. I'm resting in him. It means that I'm resting in my righteousness and I'm resting in the understanding of who God is and who I am in him. I'm resting in the power of God, and I'm resting in his word being applied to my life. It doesn't matter what the situation or the circumstances say. I'm resting in the promises of Jesus. Listen, everything that God did for Israel, opening up the Red Sea, defeating the Egyptians, all those things happened because God was leading them towards rest. See, when you get so focused to the situations that you're dealing with or focused on how God is going to rescue you or fix the problem... But what that happens because we forget all that God is moving us towards rest. All the problems in our life are advertising points to help you step into the rest that God has for you. Everything that we're doing, everything that's going on in our lives is moving us towards the rest that God has for us. The hope that you've accumulated from the past out of all the things that God has done for you, it's directing you towards rest. God so loved the world that he gave. God gave you and I the free gift of rest, but like any gift, we have to receive it. He came to develop in us confidence in God Almighty, confidence in his word. He came to lead us to that place of rest. Are you ready to start resting in the love and the goodness of God? I believe that people that start stepping into rest, 2015 is going to blow your doors off. You are going to be amazed at all that God is doing. See, here's what my prayer is for us this morning. That you'll receive the rest that God has for you. All those areas that you felt responsible for, you're striving to fix your kids, you're striving to fix your finances, you're striving to fix your marriage. It doesn't mean that you're not still doing things, but you're resting as you're doing it. You're resting in the fact that God has already promised you amazing life. He's got, he's got the blessings of the Lord are upon you. All we have to do is rest in what God has done.
This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Jesus.